Today's sponsor is Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash comedyfilmnerds for a free audiobook download. And it could be unabridged. It could be like a Game of Thrones book. It's still free. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Doesn't matter. Length doesn't matter. It really doesn't? Yeah, yeah. Free. If it's a book, it's a book. All right. Free book. I'll take it. Hello, everybody. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. Welcome to the Comedy Film Nerds Podcast, episode 220. 220. Oh, my God. We gotta, a lot. We're going to do a lot today. We are? Yeah, no. It doesn't feel like it. No? It's already? You're already <laughs> no. going to slow things down <laughs> no, at the beginning? It feels great. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put the brakes on the show when yeah, it starts. Yeah, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm not really feeling it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Right. This one might be a C. It might be 38 minutes today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're going to phone this one in. Yeah. That's what I feel like. That's we're going to talk about How to Train Your Dragon 2, X-Men, Days of Future Past again, The Rover. We're, um, we have a very special guest. Mm-hmm. First time on the program. First time? And it has a lot to say about... Uh, comic book movies well let's get into that let's introduce our guest i think we should go for it all right you ready <laughs> yes i'm ready <laughs> ladies and gentlemen i am uh, very happy to uh have our guest in the studio we actually met doing a panel at com our uh our friends over at comics on comics oh nice uh, we did that uh down i think the west side it was one of those comic book co- uh stores that has like a giant like bat cave in the back where you actually have events and that was uh, the most awesome place. Yeah, it was really cool. Don't they all have that? They, they, should, they should. Shouldn't they, they should. all have a bad yeah, should, absolutely. Um, it reminded me of my bedroom. Yes. <laughs> and also, um, we were going to be talking about his TV show and his movies and his book. Ladies and gentlemen, comic book writer, TV writer, and film writer, Mark Guggenheim. Hey, thanks for having me. I feel like uh, I'm a two out of three uh, guest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two, two out of three. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You'll go like comedy film nerds. I know I don't check off one of those boxes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which one. Yeah. Like, there, there, there's one box I'm not checking off. <laughs> we get partial credit. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 66%. Hey, yeah. you know, it's all good. That's my whole life. Yeah. 66%. <laughs> you know? Gentlemen see. Yeah. Uh, um, so, um, well, let's let's go into a little bit what you're. Um, what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about what he's working on now, or you want to get into the movies, Chris? How do you want to do this? I think we should um, let's let's uh, for those of you that don't know who Mark is and what sure. he's involved with, let's uh, have him talk about what he's working on now. Yes, uh, especially a uh, show running Arrow on the the uh, CW. Yes, yes, I uh, I'm I'm co showrunner uh, with Andrew Kreisberg. Uh, of Arrow, and we're actually going into season three. Mm-hmm. Um, right now on my computer, I've got three different scripts. I've got the script for 301, 302, and 303, so the first three scripts of the year. Nice. It's uh, crazy. Actually, we're, we're starting off with great guns. We're really, really excited. It's uh, it's fun. We, we always um, plan the season out in advance. Right. Um, so it's fun like to do all that pre-break pre you know preparation stuff and then you get into the nitty gritty and you start immediately start to see these ideas start to come to fruition and it's just a great deal of fun and well it's it's a great show and uh, i discovered it now i don't recommend everyone discovering it this way i met mark 
and they told me about it. That's a real slow way to market. You have to meet the showrunner it before is. you watch the show. It is. It's also, I'm not entirely sure I'm the best person to meet. Like, I don't know if that's, that is definitely not putting the best foot forward. Um, I'm sure Warner Brothers Marketing is thinking, eh, we probably have a better idea. Yeah. They're going to put a lot of money into play dates. Yeah, for yeah kids, that's for right. Kids, for kids. <laughs> And uh, the, the interesting thing about it is when Arrow launched, you actually had to fight against your own marketing because the, all the billboards were your star uh, scantily clad. So now, yes. oh, wait, this is kind of sending the wrong message. Like, I don't, I, when I saw that billboard, and a lot of my friends said the same thing, well, that doesn't say gritty crime superhero drama. It said, you know, cheesy CW show that I'm going to avoid. And uh, when I started watching, I was talking to Mark. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the exact opposite of what I mm-hmm. thought it would be. And I love it. It's a fantastic show. And I think um, you Thank could you. see, you could really see, too, um, what you guys kind of paved with the trailer for Gotham. You oh, can really, nice You can really kind of see, like, uh, you can make this gritty um, based in reality, mm-hmm. too. Like, it's a grounded show. It's a very grounded yeah. show. I mean, uh, you could tell you guys were like, well, we're going to put the Flash in, but we don't really have a lot of powers and magic and superheroes and things like 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 the stuff that, like the power type stuff. No, in fact, uh, uh, you know, during season one, we were like, we're not going to do any powers. Right. And then mm-hmm. when the decision was made or the idea was had to have uh, Flash on the show or at least mm-hmm. introduce Barry Allen in season two, um, we realized, okay, we've got to alter that a little bit. And the challenge for season two for us was, how do we do quote unquote powers in a grounded, realistic way? What's right. what's the arrow version of powers? And mm-hmm. we came up with the idea of sort of this, you know, human weapon, you know, serum, um, you know, that this Mirakuru serum that, you know, we sort of tried to ground in as much sort of fake real science as possible. Right. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> you know, and uh, it it. You know, it, it was sort of our version of it, mm-hmm. um, you know, because, look, we're not going to have people like flying over Starling City, which is where the show, right. the fictional city where the show is set. Um, but we, you know, we are going to, you know, be acknowledging the fact that we are now, even though we're not in a city with powers, we have to acknowledge that we live in a world with powers because right. this show takes place in the same universe as The Flash, where right. we're doing superpowers a go-go. And it's you have a thousand Easter eggs in every show. Yes, Where, yes. No, we <laughs> love that. I mean, that's, that is... Is that the most fun about, about, part about writing for this show, or... You know, uh, there's... I tell you, I mean, it's so hard to say, like, what the most fun part is. I mean, if you told me that there would be... If you told me that there would be a superhero show, much less a gajillion superhero shows and movies out at, when I was a kid, I would have pinched myself. You're right. And then <laughs> if, you know, if you told me that, yeah, I'd be like working on one of them, I'd have been like, you're out of your mind. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's really too much for the, you know, the 10 year old me to fathom. Um, <laughs> you know, but I will say the, the Easter eggs are, are a great deal of fun for us, particularly when we can do them in a really clever way. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I always enjoy that. That's, that's a big, you know, part of the, the fun for me. But uh you know, there's so many aspects aspects of the show that just excite me. Harley Quinn in a cell with one line. Yeah. Well, that was really, I have to say, well, I can't confirm that that was Harley Quinn. No. Um, but I, I will say that that was a, a a real, that was probably like, probably our best Easter egg. I mean, you know, <laughs> at least thus to date. Um, and uh, there there will be more. There's, there will yeah. be plenty. Let me ask you this. Um you know, with, with you're, you're going into season three, and like mm-hmm. like all good shows, you, you know, it, it takes it it takes us a while for a show to kind of find its legs and get yeah. its rhythm and all that stuff like that. From 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 the the process as a writer, 
where did you see that specifically with this show? Like, when did oh. you feel like we all, all we got it? Was there that moment or was it sort of a gradual and then you looked back or? No, there were actually, it's a great question, by the way. And, and there were really several moments um, for us. Uh, for example, I mean, I can, what I can do is I can sort of point to specific episodes that hit specific uh, tent poles for us. For example, episode 105 was the first appearance of, you know, what, who I call proto-Deathstroke, mm-hmm. uh, the Billy Wintergreen character from the first season. And that was the first time where we did a flashback story that was outside of this cave that we had established. And it, it was sort of proof of concept that, wow, we really can like tell a full-fledged story with a beginning, middle, and end with cool stuff and Deathstroke and everything mm-hmm. in the flashbacks. So it wasn't like, hey, we're figuring out the show, but that was a big component of of what the show became, which is the flashback stories being, you know, as big a part, though not, you know, screen time wise, but narratively as big a part of the episodes as Mm -hmm. the present day story. And then the next episode, episode six was sort of the first episode where I started to feel like things really sort of came together where like everything was, the show was starting on a path. And then episode nine, which was our mid season finale in season one, that that was the episode I think you're really referring to. It was really the first episode where, quite frankly, I remember it was, it was like the first episode where we didn't have to do any reshoots. Um, <laughs> you know, so uh, that alone was like a big, whoa, thank God. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know what? That's a lie. Um, it's not a lie. It's a mistake. Um, because <laughs> I, I just remembered it's the first episode that we watched and we didn't think we'd have to do any reshoots. And then we had an idea. And we decided to pick up a couple shots. Tweak. Uh, and we t- decided to tweak. But uh, that was a big, you know, sort of moving of the needle for us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I, I, I like about the show, one of the things that we're proud of uh, in, in doing the show is the show, like, sort of, it sets these new boundaries for itself. So it sets these new, what we call high water marks on the show, mm-hmm. where we sort of feel like, oh, you know, in this episode, the show took a, a leap forward. And mm-hmm. the show got that much better or that much bigger. and You could really see that in the second season. Thanks. Th- and we started to feel that way, yeah. Like, like I noticed, too, like if you notice how the um, – when you watch it all the way through, like the first season, you have a lot of relationships that kind of unfold. And you're like, okay, and like you know, for, every, for every moment of someone getting kicked in the face – we're getting shot with an arrow, there's a moment of someone getting their feelings hurt. Okay, it's still the CW. I get it. It's still there. Uh, But towards the end of the second season, it was so brilliant. You guys deconstructed all of those moments to uh, culminate at the end, and it was fascinating to watch because I'd never seen that before. Like, you literally um, changed the formula as the uh, show progressed. You know, one of the things that we did going into season two was – one of the, one of the was try to fix a mistake we felt we made with season one. I mean, obviously we're always trying to improve, and with season one we sort of had this huge cast and a large number of characters and a large number of recurring characters, and we felt this obligation to service you know every single one. Service is like a writerly term or a writer's room term, which basically means like oh we're going to give them a storyline, and when you do that, first of all you're giving. You're packing these episodes with a lot of watered-down stories that really exist just to quote-unquote service. I'm finger-quoting here. Um, uh, service People at home saw it. Yeah, they did, yeah. right? It's like video. <laughs> um, but they felt it. They felt yeah. the finger-quote. Um, you know, and these characters were often like siloed off in their own little storylines and nothing connected. And one of the rules we sort of set for ourselves in season two is like, you know what? We're not going to do that. 
you know, if 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 there's not a scene for or a storyline for this character, the character's just not going to appear in the episode, you know, and the audience will accept that because it is a big tapestry and it is a big canvas. What's well, like a comic book? Yes, like, exactly. Yeah, this, the, right. It's 100%. a comic book. Okay, this issue doesn't have this guy. That's, That's right. fine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. totally fine. And you know, one of the the reasons why the show has a large cast of characters is because we were taking inspiration from comic books. Mm-hmm. You know that. You know, a lot of comic books. Well, it's weird know, that a comic have, book show um, hired comic book people to write it. Yeah. Indeed, <laughs> it was very odd. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Um, well, I want to ask you this. Um, you know, you, you know, you, you as you talked about how the show's progressed and 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 where you're going now. As you're getting into, you're only three eight, uh, episodes into to the third season, and I'm not asking you to give away secrets or plot points sure. or like that. But where do you like? want to see it go or now that you kind of feel confident you've got your legs you've experimented with these things like where do you like do you, do you have kind of a like okay we know who we are now everyone's gelling like let's yeah. let's do this or let's go i i always sort of look at each season i've got like sort of my little wish list of of the things i would like to see the show do not in terms of moments but in terms of like oh i got maybe the best way to explain it is to sort of explain what i'm my hope is for season three which is I sort of want to, this is going to sound trite, but I want to take the best elements of season one and combine them with the best elements of season two. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like... Season, that sounds more like a good plan than It trite. seems like, yeah, yeah, but I feel like season one had a focus to it that season two didn't necessarily have. I mean, we were all, I mean, I think what was so great about season two is it it did feel to a lot of people very epic. You know, yes, I read the internet. Um, you know, so <laughs> I'm not speaking for myself. But it, I'm translating, you know, Twitter into it felt epic. And part of that was its scope. But, you know, it's like, how do you combine scope and focus at the same time? Mm. And the other thing that would be nice is I we always look at these things as they're not seasons. We approach them like one big 16-hour movie. And... You know, we think of, you know, we've always thought of season two a as... A run, a comic book run. Yeah, as a mm-hmm. sequel, you right, know? Right, And this is a sequel to the sequel. And if you look at, like, you know, there's not... Unfortunately, there's not a lot of great third films to you yeah. know, point to and go, hey, that's what we're going to emulate. Indiana Jones? But... That's true, actually. But actually, Indiana Jones uh, and The Last Crusade is actually a perfect example of what I'm talking about, or what I'm about to talk about, which is, I feel like the best third movies, they harken back... Um, in, in a lot of ways to the first movie. Um, that they're not mirror images of each other necessarily, but I think if you look at like the first three Indiana Jones, the third movie hark- owes more to Raiders than it does to Temple of Doom. Sure. And Back to the Future 3 feels more focused and more of akin to Back to the Future Iron 1. Iron Man 3. Yeah. Uh, Iron Man 3. Even, by the way, and I, I feel like it gets a bad rap, um, but I really love it, or I can overlook whatever flaws it has because it really speaks to me on so many levels. Is Dark Knight Rises and Dark Knight I, I Rises? Love that movie. I loved it, you know. And Dark Knight, <laughs> you're not going to get any arguments. You're in a, here. You're in a safe place here, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I always feel like every time I say that, I always get shouted down. But like, I, I really love that movie. And it, Grandma, show you his T-shirt after the show. Awesome. Does that my Batman watch? And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's argue, it, one could argue that you're not objective. <laughs> yeah. um, but, yes, um, you could. He's wearing all this Batman stuff, folks. <laughs> those people, those people are wrong. Um, yeah. But. It owes, you know, you look at Batman, uh, you look at Dark Knight Returns, and you see a lot of Batman Begins in it. In fact, can I, can I share something? I, I, I rewatch these movies mm-hmm. pretty constantly. Mm-hmm. And on my umpteenth time of watching Dark Knight Rises and watching Batman Begins, I noticed something that blew me away. 
You know the music cue that plays when the when the bat is flying away from Gotham City and it's supposedly sending Batman off to his doom with uh-huh. carrying a nuclear bomb and it's that beautiful singing voice. Uh-huh. It's actually the kid. I chucked this in the grass. It's the kid who sang the national anthem. The football game, right? At the football game. What a okay. lovely, lovely voice. What a lovely voice. Yeah. <laughs> that, that cue plays when Bruce's parents die in Batman Begins. Prepare to be astonished. Right? Wow. That's crazy. Uh, insane, right? I know. It, that makes me love that movie. Even I know. More. <laughs> and then you're, like, then you're like, wait a minute. How did I not notice that? Right. Right? But- I mean, at least that was my reaction when I, but I, it's, it's unmistakable. It's incredible. Um, so I just, I love thirds that bring the narrative full circle and bring everything together. Very and, uh, cool. It'd be nice to see that in season three. Sweet. Well, let's get All into right. some, let's, yeah, get, well, let's, let's talk let's, about some movies. Well, now. let's talk okay. about a sequel here. Okay. Oh, absolutely. How to train your dragon Two. Okay. Was that the sequel you were talking about? Oh no. I yeah. actually prefer <laughs> to call it, I, I prefer to call it how to train your dragon also. Yes. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I probably, you know, the, the marketing department probably knows what they're doing. <laughs> now, um, I saw this movie and I saw it with the family. Kids liked it. Uh, I, I loved the first one. I thought the first one was I thought was the fantastic. first one was outstanding. And uh, I saw this one. It was okay. I have to say, I had a little more higher expectations for it. The problem with this movie is the same thing. And I know this is a DreamWorks animation thing because they did the exact same thing with Kung Fu Panda 2. Mm-hmm. It was the exact same um, formula for a sequel and... Uh, I'm not on board with it. What they did is they take kind of a fun movie, fun characters, and for the sequel, they go darker and more violent. And what happens is it takes the fun out of the movie and the characters. So I'm watching this movie. I'm like, this is good, but it's a little darker. It's a little more violent. And all of a sudden now, I'm not feeling that fun and exhilaration of like this character that's discovering dragons for the first time and all this... um, discovery we don't have now we just have villains and darkness and violence and i wasn't i wasn't as on board i still like the movie but i don't think that's the right direction to go in with these sequels didn't you feel though they got bigger yeah i I think it definitely got bigger uh, here's what yeah okay so basically let me see if i have this right so basically you you hate empire strikes back <laughs> no, right? No, no, you did. Clearly, clearly, you know, you're like, oh, Empire Strikes Back must have been one of those DreamWorks movies. No, too. no, that was brilliant. Um, I'm, ta- I'm talking about now. If um, yeah. if Luke Skywalker was hilarious in the first movie, then uh, I may not have been as All on right. board if it went that dark. Now, I'm not saying I didn't like the movie. I'm just saying it was. It went. Uh, I think it was a little bit of a missed opportunity. It didn't have the fun and. Um, uh, kind of like that fun of discovery that the first one did, and I thought it went a little too dark. Well, okay, here's what I think. Didn't like Empire. Um, I, <laughs> it's okay. You can just say it. <laughs> just, just say it out loud. Just own it. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I will say. I don't like carbonite. All right, there. I've said it. <laughs> big anti-carbonite yeah. guy. Can, can you imagine? Just imagine if there was no Yoda in Empire Strikes Back, and you found out on the internet today that J.J. Abrams was going to cast a Muppet in episode seven. Can you imagine the the outcry? Right. Like, I mean, or another way of putting this is, if the internet existed in 1979, can you imagine what, I mean, how, how Lucas would have been, right. like, you know. People would have gone crazy. Mm, no, at that time, the Muppets were kind of cool. <laughs> but I remember as a kid, like, reading in Starlog magazine that Yoda was going to be a puppet. And I love the Muppets, don't get me wrong, but I was going like, I just I didn't have an you internet. Expected one of the old man from the Muppet Show, yeah, the yeah, old heckler like guy. Piggy. I was a little worried. Yeah. I mean, it was, that was a that was a high risk uh, <laughs> scenario there. Um, well, 
All right, let me go on how, how to train your dragon too. I actually really liked it a lot. Okay. I thought it was good. I thought it stood alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it couldn't have the fun because you, I would personally would have probably gotten a little annoyed if they were to still been like, um, you can't have the discovery because they already know. Sure, the, the, sure. the dragons right, are yeah, now. Yeah, I, I agree. You I know, agree. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think the thing that I liked that I did like the discovery was, and also the kid is growing up now. Yeah. He's right. becoming a he's man. Older, sure. And I like that they do that. So and that, I, I can't say I wasn't against Amber. that. I like the fact that they aged the characters. That was one of the things that I was really excited about. And, yeah. And I, t- I was like, you know, um, to me, I was like, well, let's have a big, crazy dragon battle. I mean, you oh. kind of had one at the end of the first one. You saw a big, crazy dragon at the end of the first one. Right. But this one, I was like, whoa! I was, I was, I don't know. I was, yeah. I, I kind of dug it. I kind of, okay. I, 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 I thought it was, a, I thought it was a good sequel, and I really liked the first yeah, one. So, so, did I, I. so I did go in with pretty high expectations right. for this one, and for me, they were, they were kind of met. Oh, okay, I, great. I really enjoyed it. I did have one complaint though. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen now both movies. I've seen mm-hmm. how, how one and how two as, as the real fans. <laughs> how one and how two. <laughs> how the real fans like to, to. Uh, so like I've seen what they're each like an hour and 40 minutes long, so like over three hours worth of material. And I gotta be honest, I still have no fucking idea how to train a dragon. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's disappointing to me. I really hope that's something they fix in the third so movie. You feel let down. <laughs> a little bit. That these just, aren't the training videos you thought they were. A little false about. advertising, uh, a maybe? A little. It, it yeah. just feels, I had a certain expectation. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it was not met. Right. Um, it's like but, watching Never Ending Story. Yes, exactly. Like, it yeah. ended. It's ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's a bill of goods. It's a bill of goods. <laughs> I, it just it felt wrong to me. But uh, the movie itself, it, with a better, with a different title, just a more honest title, you know, like <laughs> yeah. really awesome dragon movie. Would mm-hmm. great, sure. Yeah. Dragon Rider, something yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah, something okay. like that. Exactly. All right. All right. Uh, now let's talk about. Um, you finally saw X Men: Days I of Future Past, and uh, we I, we were saying before, like I, I really loved it. I thought it was great. And uh, but we want to talk to Mark because Mark. he created one of the characters yes. in the movie. I, I should say... In, you in created interest. Wolverine. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm, I'm waiting all, for my you, checks. And you have written other uh, superhero movies? Uh, I, I co-wrote Green Lantern. Okay. Um, we'll talk about that in yes, a minute. Wow. Yes, um, And... Uh, <laughs> No, I did a, a run uh, on a You know bu- there's a story there. We're going to hear it. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait to hear it. Um, I, I did a run uh, on a book called Young X-Men, and mm-hmm. uh, I co-created along with the artist Yank Paquette, uh, this character who, much to my surprise, I learned from the internet, uh, is, is in X-Men Days of Future Past. And it was Ink, the, uh, he's the bald guy with the tattoo on his face and the tattoo on his palm mm-hmm. who makes the soldiers sick. Oh, so he, yeah, he's, yeah. You know, he's not the biggest character in the movie, but I have to say, like, you know, again, 10-year-old self, if you told me that there'd be a movie based on this comic book that I literally vividly remember taking off the rack and reading, um, and that a character I co-created would be in the movie, I, again, I'd right. go like, you're out of your mind, that's ridiculous. Now, just a little bit of inside baseball is, uh, how do the rights work for that? If you create a character in a comic book medium, do you, like, have any residual rights to, if they use it in a film? It depends upon the publisher and the deal you make with the publisher. Um, Marvel, their their arrangement is when you create a character, there's a committee, and you, you sort of send the description of the character to the committee or the characters you created, and they sort of, you know, they, they sort of tell you if, if that's an original character or not. Because truth be told, like, you know, it's, it's comic book. So if you were to reboot a character – have you created that character? Have you, like, there's no sort of reboot sort of category. So that's why there needs to be a committee, you know. Um, And then 
I don't really know what happens. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know Somebody. what you get a piece of or not a piece of, or, or I'm, I'm actually like, it's funny. I'm the world's worst businessman. I, I don't, I really don't track that stuff. I, I probably should. Um, you know, but, uh, and I understand DC has a similar arrangement. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if it's, if it's formalized or anything. Um, but, uh, okay. You know, it's I, interesting. From what I understand, Marvel and DC, they sort of operate the same way in that Very respect. Uh, All right. Now, now it's just because you, uh, were you able to watch this movie objectively, even though you had a character in it, that must've been pretty exciting. You know, I, I, it was, it was really exciting. I, I, I don't think I could watch it objectively insofar as ink was in it. I, it was hard for me to watch it objectively insofar as like, that is like one of, for me, you know, that's that, like one of the most beloved seminal comic book stories of all time. Right. I mean, it, it, you know, it's one thing to like, it's great. You know, all these comic book movies, it's absolutely wonderful, but like days of future past, like I put days of future past in the same pantheon as like dark Knight rises right. and Watchmen and like, real born again born again and yeah. and and v all, for vendetta and yeah. Yeah, all the yeah. all these like seminal seminal like books and i mean with the you know days of future past being like the oldest of those in my memory i was like 10 uh when when it came out um and the original you know issues and i just started reading x-men i i got uh into x-men with issue 139 and days of future past part one is 141 so like i was like you know, pick up, you know, pick up, oh, Kitty Pryde joins the X-Men. Oh, that's the second part of a two-parter with Wendigo. Okay, this, is, this book is kind of cool. Christmas Story, that's interesting. Kitty Pryde, Christmas. Uh, oh, no, that, actually, I'm, I'm out of order here. It, it went, uh, it went, it, I think it was like straight into Days of Future Past. It was like 139, 140. Yeah, it was one, it was like two-parter in Canada. That seems pretty benign. The future, Wolverine wearing this crazy jacket and Kitty Pride is all grown up. I like I didn't even know what the hell I had stumbled onto. Um and I was just totally ensorcelled. I mean it was it was great. So what did you guys think of the movie? I loved it. Um yeah. I really loved it. I it, this was one of those rare movies for me that actually got better as it went along. Mm-hmm. And that's you know that it's been a long time since I've had that sort of experience with the movie because I'll be honest like the opening sequence apart from Blink's effect which I thought was outstanding mm-hmm. I didn't understand what the heck was going on and I'm pretty sure that that scene was sort of put in to tell me like how time travel was going to work in this rubric but if it did it went way over my head but once Wolverine goes back in time I am on board for the rest of it and I thought the third act was outstanding and I, I was just there I was I was totally in. I, I feel the same way. I mean, yeah. I just was... It was a great movie. It was a yeah. really great movie, and it it it's, you know, the last... This is now the third X-Men movie that's been like, bam. Like, they've really done it. Like I said, I really liked Wolverine. I liked... Um, I'll tell you, I think uh, First Class is still my favorite. Really? Hmm. Yeah, it really is. But that's not you to take I mean? anything away from but this yeah, one. Yeah, I thought can, this one was really good, You can really interchange those for personal yeah. preference, but those are three solid movies, especially mm-hmm. since some of the other X-Men movies were... <laughs> Not that great. You know, I think I think one thing for me, one of the things that made the movie really special, apart from the source material, uh, not is, having Brett Radner. That's you, why. I think I think you can't. <laughs> it, I, yeah, well, yeah, nothing, nothing can't benefit from that. But um, the the thing is, is like, and it's so it's so it's done so seamlessly that I don't think the filmmakers get enough credit for doing it. But like. This was basically combining two franchises. I mean, this yes, was, yeah. this is yes. what Star Trek ge- Generations should have been. Uh, yeah, I still yeah, get angry know? at that movie. Oh, it's such a wasted opportunity. It's I such know. a wasted. I mean, it's funny. I actually, if I if I can look past, if I have a lot to drink, and I can look past 
the um, the wasted opportunity. Actually, really like. There's a lot of stuff going on in generations that's actually really good. Yeah. You'd have to drink like lost weekend amount of. But no, but it's like that. it's like if you like sort of absinthe. Yeah. If you, if you if you if you get over and it's hard, you get over the fact that like oh wait a minute you've got Kirk and Picard together and Kirk's not on the bridge of the Enterprise D barking orders like. If you've missed that simple opportunity, I, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you've yeah, wasted yeah, William yeah. Shatner. But that said, the movie itself actually is better than it's. It's just it's hard to get over. It's like apart from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Like it's it's. <laughs> if you can get over it, the play's actually pretty good. If you can get over Lincoln's death, the play is good. Um, I, I encourage Great people to go back. Great parade in Dallas in November. That's right, exactly right. Really, really good. it's like oh, hey, that was, weather. That was pretty good, you know. <laughs> Um, so Pruder made a really good film. Pruder he kept it all in focus. It was awesome. Um, I don't know. Ch- check it out again. It's it's there's a lot of great stuff going on in that movie. All right. Well, X Men: Days of Future Past. Is yeah, great. you don't want to miss And that. I know uh, fans, you guys have been bugging us to do a spoiler app for X Men, which we desperately need to do. I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah. Chris has got to go out of town. But uh, maybe when we get back, when we get back, we will do it, even if mm-hmm. it comes out way later. We're going to yeah. do one because we it's the summertime, and we always do the spoiler ups on the on the superhero one. So, so now we'll let's talk. Uh, let's talk about the Rover. You and I actually both saw this movie, and I yes. will say, um, you know, my wife and I went to see it. Um, this is how you know you married the right person when she looks at the movies out and she picks the Rover. Hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, but she knows about a dog, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she said, "Oh, it's Rover, right?" Yeah. It's a, um, so not a date movie. Yeah, not, not a, a not date a movie. Date. And uh, so we wanted to try to see Edge of Tomorrow too, but we're like, oh, it's the time's off. So all right, how about the Rover? Okay, done. So now this movie, this is uh, the Animal Kingdom director, and this show. is a movie you and I were both uh, excited to see. He wrote it and, along with Joel Edgerton. Yes, and uh, he directed it. Now this movie um, is a post-apocalyptic movie and it's interesting technically it's science fiction it's like into the future um, the world has collapsed there's very little left now the interesting thing is through this movie uh, but they make they did they did there was a there was hints there of was like what's going hints on hints of a structure right and they were sort of on the fringes of it like right. they're in the outback. So, like, you saw military... You saw a couple soldiers here and there. Kind of enforcing the law. You saw... That sounds cool. Yeah. uh, You saw there was a train that goes by, and there are these, like... Like Asian symbols on them. Asian symbols. And there's guys, they look like hired mercenaries guarding Guarding the, the train. And like uh, you kind of get a feeling like, oh. The, the funniest part is when, uh, whenever they would try to buy something, they would demand American money. Like, oh. they can, what about Australian dollars? No, it has to be American money. to be American money. money. Interesting. So they did there little some... hints of, like, what how what, what the structure was. Right, and, like, right. like they talked about Sydney. Like, well, right. down in Sydney, they're going to do it this way or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So you got a oh. feeling like there's some kind of structure to society. It's not like the right. road, where it's just, like, Fucking yeah. cannibalism and up. Yeah. I, I read. I read the road. I saw it. I and then I couldn't see the movie see after the movie. reading. It's like I was like, after I can't even believe book. I put myself through the book. Yeah, it was yeah, the book know. was hard enough to get through. So yeah. so now this movie, um, the the basic plot is that uh, we have Guy Pierce's character. Mm-hmm. Um, he someone steals his car, and that's yes. pretty much the structure of the film is him trying to get the car back through the pretty much the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, now you know what they should have called it, Road Warrior. <laughs> no, <laughs> How to Train Your Car. Yeah, How to Train. Your Dude, where's my car? Yeah, yeah. Mate, no, yeah, mate, where's, mate my, where's my my car? car. By the way, do you know? Do you know when they were developing the sequel for Dude, Where's My Car? The true story. What what it was going to be called? 
<laughs> Seriously, dude, where's my car? Oh, nice. Which, by the way, best <laughs> sequel title maybe ever. <laughs> and then the third one is For Reals, Bro. Yeah. Yeah. Where's yeah. my. <laughs> I should have made a trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, this uh, it's a very thin plot structure on uh, what kind of motivates these characters. Now, I will say, if you're going to watch this movie, as bleak as it is and as depressing as it is, it is an actor's movie. It's uh, Watch it for the performances. Mm-hmm. The performances are spectacular. Guy Pierce is fantastic. And Robert Pattinson? Oh, uh, my God. Not recognizable. Like, not recognizable. No. Out of this world. You'd never know he was in a Twilight movie. He does an amazing job. And it, it was such a hard prejudice to get over when he first comes on the screen. Yeah. I literally, in my head, I'm like, all right, here we go. He's, like, going to ruin this yeah, movie. He's going to put on some dumb accent. Yeah, and, and it's like, going to be rid- And, like, nope. he wins you over in one scene. You're like, oh, my God, he's an amazing actor. Wow. He's, he's, he's an, he does an amazing job in this movie to the Good point where, him. like, he literally lights uh, up the screen and you're like, and I think, I think watching not it. to take anything away from 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 Robert Pattinson, but I think the director David Michaud, I think got the great performances out of these he actors. Really yeah. got these guys going. It, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. He he deserves a lot of that it's credit. A, now, the the flaws of this movie is that it's very slow paced, which uh, I could kind of get over, but. Ultimately, the movie um, where it never quite succeeds is the motivations of these guys. I'm not going to spoil anything, but the motivations and the plot devices that kind of move the story along are very like, mm, I don't know if I'm buying this. And that's kind of where the movie kind of um, misses the mark. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, this film is not for everybody. I mean, and again, I, hats off for the director for for making this film because yeah. it's a, it's a gutsy it's a gutsy script for him right. and Edgerton to write, and it's a gutsy film to get made. Uh, you know, Animal Kingdom, which I loved, and we've talked about it on this in show. a weird way, was more mainstream. Well, it was because yeah. he, Animal Kingdom was just a gangster movie, just with an Australian, Australian family, yeah. family. At least it's named after a Disney park. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. <laughs> this has got that going for it. Yeah. So, um, so like you, this was. Seeing the trailer, knowing who helped, who made it, who was involved, I was like expecting to be like, holy shit, blown away. Right, right. That didn't happen. Yeah. It's still a good movie. And I felt the same way you did. Like story-wise, a couple times I was like, "Mm, okay. But then you just go from one gripping acting scene to the next. Right. Like that alone is worth watching. And I think you kind of need to watch it on the big screen. And, and, uh, you know, we there weren't that many people in the movie theater, but we heard them talking. Uh, and a lot of them had Australian accents. Yeah. So, interesting. and it's interesting. It's the Australian expats are going to see this movie and Being they are, about it. They, they are opening up cans of beer. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I hear that. Bring in beer. I hear that. And then it's really quiet and there's one scene and I hear one of them go to the other one and I just started laughing. Is that his car? Yeah. <laughs> it was, and, and I think too, I mean, I, Chris, you and I were talking about this, um, earlier today, because we were just in the outback shooting, it was kind of cool to go. Oh shit, that's the outback. Did yeah, we, that's we. I think we were there. Did we drive through that time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah cool. they actually got to see a shot of a mine where they uh, that we were <laughs> yes, looking for to yes. get a shot at that we couldn't. Um, but yeah, they shot. They had a shot of the mine, and it was it was interesting to see. I, I definitely a little bit of a different perspective after being there to see like the outback. I'm like, yeah, that's what it looks like. I, I we think were just there. I, I, you know, this movie isn't for everybody. Like, go if you want to see this movie. It's know that it's very slow paced. And if you want to see amazing acting, then go see this. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets uh, nominated. Someone, someone should. Either one of them should, I think. Um, So, all right. 
So let's go into, uh, let's talk about Audible real quick. You got it, um, We got it. Let's talk about Audible. Um, now, you can get a free audiobook if you just go to audiblepodcast.com slash comedyfilmnerds. A free audiobook, um, I believe it's for a, but it's only for U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. Sorry for the rest of the countries uh, listening. Now, Sorry the rest of the earth. Yeah. Not yeah. Have an audiobook. Now, there's, um, there's a lot of great uh, books on Audible, and one of my favorite authors, Neil Gaiman, he's got a lot of stuff on there, like uh, Ocean at the End of the Lane is there, and stardust which was a great movie mm-hmm. and also a great book he, he reads that like i said all the game of thrones books are on there if you really just don't want to read it and have uh george martin read them to you it's they're literally unabridged and he just sat and read them now um, how long does that take oh it's like i think each book takes um six to eight weeks <laughs> and uh you'll have to just listen and then you'll have to rewind because i'm like wait wh- who's this character again um now but mark now you have a new book Overwatch. Yes, it's on Audible. Is it on Audible? It is. Actually, let's talk yes. about it. Okay, let's mm-hmm. do that. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 actually on Audible. I was I was really excited. Did I, you read it? You mean have I heard the book? No, no. Have you? Were you the author? Were you the? No, God, it? no. Oh. People who have been listening to this podcast like have already had more of my voice than anyone <laughs> ever wants to hear. No, no. Um, but uh, I was really excited uh, when I found out that I, not only had I written a novel, I mean, I sort of knew that, but uh, that it was going to be turned into an audiobook. I was really excited. This is um, Overwatch. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically, it's the firm and the CIA. It combined, it's like, uh, the way I describe it is if Tom Clancy and John Grisham collaborated on a book, nice. uh, this might be the book that they would collaborate on. Um, and uh, it, it's as that sort of pre-pitch uh, implies, it's basically about an attorney who goes to work for the CIA in the CIA's legal department. Um, and turns out the CIA has a legal department and they have lawyers. And those lawyers do things. And in this case, this lawyer uh, discovers a conspiracy that goes back uh, decades to even before the CIA uh, was was founded. So it's got, you know, conspiracy and mystery and legal shenanigans. And, um, Is it up the flash? Uh, it, it does not have a flash. <laughs> um, it doesn't even really have any sort of comic book sort of, uh, you know, uh, Easter eggs in there. Actually, that's not entirely true. There's like a... You had to put a couple of them in there. What? Didn't you put a couple there's, of them in there? There's a, there's a couple of comic book editors in the book, and now I want to say Tom Brevoort's in it. Um, and now, of course, I'm completely blanking on all the <laughs> comic book editors I name-checked in the book. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I always describe – that's not Easter eggs so much as laziness. You've got to come up with these names somehow. Uh, <laughs> and you know, usually it's a reflection of who's in my inbox or, or who, <laughs> w- what's on my desk at the time. Mm-hmm. So well, the book is Overwatch. The book yeah. is Overwatch, and it is available on audible.com. And remember, you could actually get it free with uh, audiblepodcast.com slash comedyfilmnerds uh, for a free audiobook download. Now, it is, uh, does go with a trial, like a free trial. Um, but you not could a court, get it. Not a court hearing. Not a court hearing. No, no. It's, uh, <laughs> there, is, there are courtroom scenes in Overwatch. Yes. <laughs> those are, those are free plug, with the book. Plug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, uh, what's also great, too, is uh, Mark brought a little swag with him, too. What? We have a uh, two Arrow comics, graphic novels, and also a signed Overwatch book. Now, the first three people to buy uh, Comedy Film Nerds gift packs, any gift pack in the store, we will throw in these. Uh, Check that out. That. Very well done. Nice, nice kids, and we as soon as they're all sold, we will announce it on uh, Facebook. Yes. So mm-hmm. if you're wondering, is it are they still available? That's where you go check it out. Yeah. Um, all right. Now let's talk just briefly about um, how you wrote the uh, Green Lantern movie and what happened. 
Um, Defend yourself. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Speaking uh, of a free trial, let's go. <laughs> you know, well, basically, you know, here, here's sort of what happened. Um, you know, uh, Greg Berlanti, uh, who I do Arrow with, actually, and I've done a, a few things with, and I were talking about doing a Green Lantern movie. Uh, he and I were working on Eli Stone together, and he came to me. Uh, and he's like, I, I have an idea I have a, for a Green Lantern movie. I have a take that I think will be really kind of cool. And uh, he's like, I want to write it with you and with Michael Green, who's uh, someone else we both had, had worked with on a show called Jack and Bobby. Um, and, you know, Michael and I were like, sure, any chance to, um, you know, any chance to, to, you know, swim in those waters. And um, I think Warner Brothers was like, Three TV writers write Green Lantern. Yeah, sure, we've got some money to waste. Like, that, because I think by, the, by this point, like, there had been several different drafts and several different, you know, takes by a variety of different writers, none of which caught fire at Warner Brothers. Um, and I think they probably were like, sure, fine, let's see what you guys can do. It'll be cheap because you guys are all TV writers. And, <laughs> uh, and then we turned in our first draft, and I, I think it kind of surprised everybody. Like, Suddenly it was like a real movie, and suddenly we were like moving on to the next stage, and and we kept doing draft, and we did we did like a total of like five drafts, um, and we you know we just kept refining the movie and refining the movie. In fact, I you know it's funny. Someone tweeted out the other day. I saw someone had had found. It's very easy to find. Apparently, it's it's all over the place. But had found our original draft, our very first draft, mm-hmm. um, online. So it's out there on the interwebs. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, for you know, for people who, who know how to Google, and um, you know, and then uh, you know, so we did like four drafts. Um, then they attached Martin Campbell to direct. We did a fifth draft for Martin, uh, and then they brought in you know someone to polish the script or script doctor or whatever the term of art is, Michael Goldenberg to do a rewrite. And uh, Michael did his rewrite, and that was the, you know, basically what became the production draft. And, um, you know, it, the movie got made. Um, you know, I, you know, it's funny. I, I look, I, I would have to be in massive denial if I thought everyone in the world loved the movie. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, that said, like, I, I, with, with some surprising degree of, of frequency, I still like, and, and you guys are not going to believe this, but it was even today was, was someone I had breakfast with, and she's like, her husband was saying, like, he really likes Green Lantern. Like, I meet people who like the movie. Um, so they're out there, you know? They, they are out there, and I know Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> doesn't bear me out on this, but, but <laughs> there are people who like the movie, and, uh, you know... Um, I, but how far from your initial draft was the finished product? Um, how different were they? We have our answer. I'm tr- okay. yeah, actually, no. Actually, the truth is, I'm actually the truth is, I'm trying to think of an answer that won't get me in trouble. Um, okay, you know, because you know, uh, yeah. There's really, honestly, there is no. It's like that's like you know, there's no good answer to that question that okay. I can give. Right. Um, well, I mean, actually, here's here's the answer. The you answer, tell us off the, the answer air. is well, the, no. The answer is really simple, which is you know, uh, you know, I feel like because I didn't post it to the internet, I can I can say this. Google and find out for yourself. <laughs> you know, I mean, I won't say that, like we said, we, we did five drafts, and I can't say that the fifth draft is identical to the first draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't say that the first draft's our best draft. But at the very, very least, I think the first draft gives you a, a strong sense as to, like, all the common threads 
that it shares with the movie um, and probably it gives you a good idea of the points of departure. You know, um, and you can you can read it and judge for yourself, and, or, right. or judge more, because um, I'm sensing a small amount of judgment here. Um, but, Fair enough, but feel free. I'm I'm, I'm politely abstaining. I yeah. noticed that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You know, I, 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 this is probably actually like a really good time for me to to provide two legal disclosures here. I, I, I should say, um, which is that uh, I, I'm doing something with DreamWorks. And I'm writing a movie for Lauren Trudel Donner, who produced X-Men Days of Future Past. So I will say that that this podcast between that and The Green Lantern, th- is, the whole thing just seems like an opportunity for me to, like, end my professional career. <laughs> um, this whole thing has been, like, one big minefield. <laughs> You know, when Chris when Chris invited me onto the podcast, he was like, "Oh, it'll be fun. We'll talk." Yeah. He didn't realize that I'd basically be playing Russian roulette with my career. Um, I'm trying to like literally trying to think of how many people I've probably pissed off. On. Um, I'm sure that answer is zero. Uh, you never know. Um, you yeah. never know. But uh, well, I know for for sure Brett Ratner. I'll ne- he'll never direct anything I write. Um, but uh, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Brad. I can't help but laugh. He's funny. What do you want from me? <laughs> Call me, pal. We'll do lunch. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I uh, I think that was a very a fair defense. Very, absolutely so much, of uh, the Green Lantern movie. Yeah, so we're not gonna. Um, no, we won't press it anymore. <laughs> I also probably can't get a job at Google now. Yeah, <laughs> that's not that so, hard. Yeah, to work for Google. we do we do Microsoft product placement on Arrow, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. they you know they provide a good chunk of money and equipment and stuff. So I should probably say try to find the try to find the draft of Green Lantern on Bing, <laughs> <laughs> and use Microsoft Office. Yes, please, and Explorer <laughs> yeah. to, to search the web. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get into DVDs. I think it's one of our best episodes. I think it's a phenomenal yeah. episode. Oh, it's very, sweet. It's a very informative episode. Um, the um, Mark's checking his phone right now. It was Google. Oh no, no! Exactly. I just want to make sure. Um, I just want to make sure that uh, I wasn't getting into too much trouble with my wife. Yeah, um, she um, could also be pissed off at me. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, the DVDs coming out, DVD and Blu-rays, 300 Rise of an Empire. Um, this movie, I have to say, surprised me. Um, it was a really fun, ultra-violent, um, just like it, it took the movie 300. I thought it was just going to be a slap-together money grab of a sequel, and it wasn't. It was really oh. fun. <laughs> it was uh, action-packed. It was violent. And what I loved that they did with the story is they, made, they didn't even really make it a sequel. They made it more of like a side story. Like, this is what was going on as 300 was going on. Right, in a different... At, in, in a different like, area. Oh, and then, um, after 300 kind of ended, then this movie actually continued. So you actually saw what happened after as well. So mm-hmm. it was a really clever way to um, structure it, and it was fun and it was uh the effects were really good like especially with stylized effects like that they could look a little like you could kind of see the seams mm-hmm. but with, not with this one i mean it was really seamless it was really uh even with like you know i'm like watching I'm like i don't think there's all that ocean and water there i'm pretty sure right. you know they're on a gimbal or whatever <laughs> and uh but it looked great the action was great it was so fun good, the character good, was fun it, it's rental. a great rental yeah it, it's um uh it was really fun see i don't even think though you would have enjoyed it on a plane that was something that you kind of have to see either in a big screen or in your house. Yeah, just yeah. Really, I don't I think, think there's that. any movie to be enjoyed on a plane. <laughs> like it's funny. One of the writers of Arrow, Jake Coburn, he was he was flying back for a wedding or something, and he's like, "Yeah, I watch Gravity. I love Gravity. Like, you know, I I always have to watch it." I'm like, 
I love Gravity too. I really, really loved it. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't watch it on a plane. Yeah. No, that seems no. like not a good experience. Yeah. Just about everything. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, I was telling people, like, you have to see it in 3D IMAX. Like, right. On a, right. Yes. You know, and, and if even, there was an opposite way that you should see that movie, yeah. it would be on an airplane. It's, exactly. <laughs> totally, totally. A 50 totally, inch totally. home and really yeah. nice TV is mm, it's still, still not, not yeah. the right thing. Right. I'm right yeah. there with you. You're still not going to get the full effect. Uh, Winter's Tale. Um, you, if you wanted to see this movie, you've already seen it. And uh, um, Enemy. Now, this was the uh, Jake Gyllenhaal like doppelganger movie. Uh, I didn't see it. I think Neil saw it. He thought it was okay. It was. Uh, he's just a guy watching TV, and he sees like his double like in a movie, and then he goes to track him down. Oh yeah. Like yeah. Uh, oh, so that's uh, that's on DVD. And now premiering this week. Here we go. Ready? Oh. Transformers: Age of Extinction. We got to get TJ Miller on the show because he yeah we definitely have podcast. to he was on, he's in this movie and apparently Michael Bay said like you're not funny or something like was yelling at him on the set wow yeah we have to get wow. him to yeah, tell that story because he told yeah. I think he told the story on his own podcast mm-hmm. we got to get him to tell it on yeah this. absolutely I am um, don't uh, go see this yeah <laughs> vote with your dollars you guys go see the rover you know what I mean <laughs> or just rent three hundred Rise of an Empire again. Uh, and uh, go yeah, see the fault in our stars. Like go see anything. anything. Go, go see, see X Men again. Yeah, like, yeah. There's plenty here. of movies. Or even Edge of Tomorrow. Go see Edge of Tomorrow go again. See that? Now Age of Extinction. It's it's fascinating about these movies too. Like you can't as much money as these movies make, and as much as everyone goes to see them. It's hard to find people that are like, love them. Like, it's like, oh, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's like people are almost resigned to the fact that they're going to be um, barely watchable, but they're going to go see them anyway. Yeah. So it's a really fascinating, like, kind of mindset with these movies. I, I have to Mark, say. Mark, what do you think? You know, it's, it's interesting <laughs> to me because uh, I'm, I'm like, okay, I probably don't want to work with Michael Bay. Also, like, well, we're just crossing names right off. Like, Paramount, yeah. <laughs> gone, Hasbro, gone. DreamWorks. But no, I mean, in all, in all honesty, like, like, I I find myself kind of going like, you know what? I may check it out this weekend. I'll be honest. Uh, it's not because I want to work for Paramount, though I do, like call my agent. Um, or, or work with Michael Bay, call my agent. Yeah. But um, I something, there's something about this kind of movie and what Michael Bay does. And it, that is always, ruining the world? No, no. Yeah. You always find this one weekend in the summer where you're like just in the mood for a summer movie. And this is like, I can kind of see myself going like, oh, you know what? Get out of the summer heat. Go to air conditioning for two and a half hours. I don't know. I also, by the way, like it's so, I so want it to be good. Like I really, this franchise did need a reboot and it needed sort of to start from scratch and you know, maybe like, with a new director. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. But here's the thing about about Michael Bay, and I'm not just saying this because I want to work with him, but I do like so. Call major. Um, <laughs> it is. I'm like, wow, dude. Like, you you've spent a good chunk of your career now just making these movies. Like, these are four movies, and they all take a long time to do and produce. And like, I think Michael do Bay. They? But no, they do. They really do. It's post. Like a huge they take a long time in though. post. Yeah, but he's spending a long time. He's living. He's living in. I mean, with the exception of like pain and gain, you know, which I imagine was done on a fairly short schedule comparatively. Like he has spent the better portion of his career now doing this particular franchise, and I, I go, I, I look at him and I go, I, I actually. I think Michael Bay does have something to contribute. I really do. Like, I feel like th- he's a filmmaker. We're going to have to agree to disagree. No, but like, yeah. Mark, <laughs> like, like, like The Rock. You know, like, look at The Rock. Like, he's he's got a voice. And I 
feel I'll, like I'll give him one one uh, one compliment. He's an amazing visual effects supervisor. He should uh, just well, make rides for amusement. He should make parks. rides and effects. No. Um <laughs> No, he's I think he's got a real eye. Um you know, and he into hell. Uh, no, rye, not ride. Um, and we're not wavering on this. Yeah, point of yeah. Mark. I mean, you feel free to say. What yeah, you please want to try say. to convince us. I keep us. waiting. I still. I keep waiting for the best. Um, I, I keep waiting for Michael Bay has a good, a really good movie in him. I really believe. Oh that. yeah, and I and keep waiting for a shit hot Denny's waitress. No, I yeah. keep it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I keep Mark waiting my words. for a perfect ten Denny's waitress. Yes. It's gonna happen. I, I think he's got the skill. It's like an airline it doesn't treat you like you're an asshole. Yeah, that's it's, the same thing. No, yeah. no, actually, those airlines exist. The, right. This thing, he, this unicorn he, he, that Mark is chasing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's not. He, I think he really wants to make a. I, I think he 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 has to want. You know, he has to want to. You and know, I think I think Bigfoot great. wants to be discovered. I think, <laughs> I think so too. I think so too. Yeah. Hey, yeah. By the way, it could happen yeah. in our lifetime too. <laughs> that could happen. I, I got uh, Michael. I, I got faith in you, man. Call my agent. Um, <laughs> well, the amount of shit we've talked about him over the years, there's no way he listens to this show. So I think you're okay. We have yeah, sk- I, I, yeah, No, come on. I don't think he listens to anybody. That's kind of the right. thing. That's it's like it's, it's that way, kind of By the way, he is like, laughing all the way to the bank. He does not of care what he you think. No, he, he doesn't care what anybody thinks. He's a billionaire. No. By the way, yeah. I, if I was Michael Bay, I don't care what you th- thought either. Of course yeah. not. You know? Why would you? Why would, if I was Monsanto, I wouldn't care that your children were dying yeah. from, from yeah. my <laughs> shitty food. I wouldn't care. Like if I was if I was the NRA. I wouldn't care. Wonderful. Now, now I can't write a movie from Monsanto. <laughs> Thank you. I, had this... I can't even write a tomato commercial. Now. <laughs> the, the, the GMO oh, story. Oh, man. I had oh, a never... superhero who got his powers think... from soybeans. I, now I, can't do it. I never I thought Monsanto... it would be a podcast that did me in. Yeah. <laughs> you thought it would be like a Coke Twitter, yeah. Yeah. Twitter yeah, tw- or something. <laughs> Twitter, I, I definitely thought it would no, be No, no, serious. I think Monsanto has a healthy meal in them somewhere. I yeah. really do. I really... I think Monsanto has a healthy, <laughs> organic meal somewhere, somewhere inside, inside, just waiting them. to get out. Yeah, we're just waiting for it. <laughs> we're just waiting for it to come. Uh, now, I will say, though, I, I, I was a big fan of Transformers. Grew up on the cartoon, watched, read the comic oh, books, and uh, I was always a favorite of the Dinobots, too. Mm-hmm. And to see, like, Grimlock in the first movie at the first, and also we have a friend of ours helped design it, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Schulman, who um, did our TiVo commercial. He, uh, so I'm like looking at these designs. I'm like, okay, you know what? Here's the problem that I, I completely fall into with this movie. Although if I didn't have this podcast, I probably wouldn't go see it. But now I'm going to go see it anyway. I'm like part, I'm like, I'm like, you I'm going to go see this a, anyway. You better pay for something else. Well, maybe I'll pay for something else. You have to. I'll, um, what I'll do is I'll pay for X-Men and I'll make sure my money goes to Mark's residual yes. for his character. For his ink character. <laughs> for his ink character. the money right then, to his yeah. ink character, which I'm <laughs> totally By the way, I'm, I'm going to need it because I'll be unemployed after the yeah. podcast. Um, so thank you for that. <laughs> so um, next movie is um, any closing remarks, Mark? No, no, oh, no, I think I've dug myself a deep enough hole. Thank you. All right. Begin again. I'm good. Begin Again is a, uh, now this is a very smart counter-programming to uh, Transformers and also our next film. A chance encounter between a disgraced music business executive and a young singer-songwriter new to Manhattan turns into a promising collaboration between the two talents. Mark Ruffalo and Keira Knightley stars. So I, li- I like Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, I like I, him oh, a lot, too. Him. He's, he's great. He's, I he's love Keira Knightley. Yeah. Good stuff. So, uh, and the next movie, Snowpiercer. Uh, this is now, this was based on a graphic novel uh, in Russia, I believe. Is that? 
I don't know. Maybe not, maybe not Raja. Anyway, I but I thought it was a graphic novel. Uh, but now, what do you think of Snowpiercer? How do you think it'll be? You know, it's funny. I had been reading about this on the internet for a good chunk of time, you know. Didn't it get delayed for a while? I or? think that's how I yeah. was reading it on the internet, actually. And then I finally saw the trailer, and I was blown away. I mean, obviously, you know. you Oh, the train that runs. Yeah, yeah, it does I look mean, amazing. You, you never know. like train that keeps going, but there's a cast system inside the train. Yeah. And it's a post-apocalyptic world. It just, it's I don't know. Captain it, America in it. It looks really interesting. <laughs> it just, it looks so provocative and so interesting. And I don't know, there's something about like a society on a, cha- on a train. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe well, you know, maybe that's the train that was driving and, past and, and, on, on the rover. That now, would be now awesome. I like too, it's like Chris Evans just kind of stretching he out from, uh, better, from Captain America. Like to uh, see Chris him Evans in a different role. He's actually. great. Uh, no. He keeps, honestly, he keeps getting he better. And the director, Jun Ho Bong, did this movie that I really like, this Korean film called The Host. Oh, I remember The Host, yeah, yeah. Really, really inventive sort of uh, sci-fi monster You know, my favorite part about that movie, The Host, is that you saw the monster right away. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was, like, right at the beginning, like, oh, game on. So so you add these things, you add this graphic novel, you add this director, you add Chris Evans, and then the trailer, I'm like... I'm in. I'm, I, in. I'm really excited. I actually. I, I hope it's good. I've I really do. Looking forward to this ever since I first read about it, and um, I, I don't know why it was delayed. That's usually not a good sign. No, but, <laughs> but you never know. I mean, but I'm. I. It looks terrific. It, you know. I'm All right, in. we're gonna keep our hopes high for a Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. So. Um, all right. Well, that's our, that's, that's our program. Uh, that's that, our program. Was, that was a jam-packed amazing. episode. That was, a, we had a lot to talk about great. today. It was amazing. And, yes. uh, if there's one takeaway and that's <laughs> that, uh, you know, watch I'm Arrow. unemployable <laughs> now. Watch Arrow. And, you know, I get so yeah, much yeah. shit about like, oh, you got to give Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. another chance. So I made a deal with people that keep telling me that. I said, all right, I'll give Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. another chance if you try out Arrow. Because oh, all these good. people that said, yeah. I watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, do you watch Arrow? And it's like, oh, no. So all right, like, all right there you go. Yeah, that's good. And then buy Overwatch because and buy know, Overwatch. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. so, buy the book or get it on or get on Audible. Or get on Audible yeah, man. yeah. This is actually a way for you to get it free. The audiobook. That's bing, true. Bing, and bing. Uh, who um, who read the book? Do you know? Uh, I who don't read for actually. Um, I don't know who the reader is. I think um, it was Michael Bay. Was it Michael Bay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't. I actually haven't had the the guts to listen to it. Uh-huh. I just that might be too painful for me. Yeah. Like in the sense in the sense of you know. It's like uh, it's my first novel, and, and not that it's not good, but it's it's I'm too sensitive. I'm too sure you're gonna you know, be hypersensitive. I'll be hypersensitive to it, yeah, yeah. To it. And, and like hearing I don't know hearing my writing read aloud as opposed to you know like what I'm used to in television and film. Sure. I, I don't know. I, it it that doesn't seem upside to me, but upside to everyone else. So mm-hmm. they should. Well, where uh, where can people find you on the internet, Mark? Uh, well, I'm I'm actually I love Twitter, and mm-hmm. my Twitter uh, my Twitter links to my Tumblr and my Facebook. So okay. on Facebook, it's Mark Guggenheim, you know, Mark with a C, and on Tumblr, it's Mark Guggenheim, all one word, also Mark with a C, and uh, on Twitter, it's at M Guggenheim. Um, it's so that's at M G U G G E N H E I M, and uh, I yeah I love I love Twitter actually I've really mm-hmm. grown to enjoy it and I have this really sort of cool thing uh, on my phone um, you know like there's a lot of like li- there's iPhone apps you get you take this little piece this little device and you stick it into the headphone jack and it's actually like functions as a breathalyzer I have my breathalyzer hooked up to my Twitter so I <laughs> I never tweet while I'm inebriated. 
Um, That's very it's a smart. very useful uh, hack for the phone. <laughs> <laughs> that is good to know. Uh, all right, well, guys, check him out on Twitter at Mar- M. Guggenheim. Now, I, since we have Comic-Con coming up, too, why don't we uh, talk about that? Because you're going to be there. I right? will be there, yeah. And uh, yeah. what... what um, what panels will you be doing? Um, well, uh, right now, I know I'll be doing two panels related to Arrow, and that'll be on Friday and Saturday. Okay. And I'm also going to be doing a panel about Overwatch uh, on oh, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, though I'm sure we will, uh, as I did for my Overwatch panel at WonderCon, uh, you know, uh, spill into a whole host of other areas with the other mm-hmm. stuff I do. Um, and uh, that's currently what I have on my plate. I was just invited to do a panel on Thursday, but I, in all honesty, I don't know if I'll be able to get out of the office, the Arrow office, mm-hmm. uh, for two days, you know, and I, I know I need to be, you know, at Comic Con on Friday. So um, it'll be at least three panels, but hopefully more. We'll see. Yeah, sweet. We'll yeah, cool. be doing. Uh, Rick Myers Kung Fu Extravaganza. We'll be again. doing yep. Rick Myers Kung Fu Extravaganza. That is um, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday yeah, the twenty fourth. Uh-huh. And um, I'll actually be on the um, Thrill Bent panel with uh, oh, nice. Mark Wade and Lori uh, Matsumoto. Now they don't have the uh, everything locked down with time and day yet, and that, uh, I'm not allowed to announce that yet. But it'll be uh, um, similar to. Okay. The uh, Kung Fu movie. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I will be announcing uh, my new comic book project. So really excited about that. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, guys. We'll check that out. Of course, uh, like us on Facebook. That always helps. Um, You can also follow um, the documentary uh, on Facebook as well. It's also at Earbuds Pod Movie. Um, as we will, we have a little break in shooting until the festival. Shoot, break in shooting, and now you're going to be watching footage and putting together the story and all kinds of stuff like that. So you know, follow us, like us, do all that stuff, you guys. And uh, or we're going to be releasing soon the um, earbuds T-shirts. Yes, we're uh, we're getting those made, and we did actually add a new product in the store. We're doing a. Dana Gould's t-shirts right yeah. now. The uh, Bevel Aqua heating and air conditioning uh, <laughs> if you guys. you listen to his show, you'll love, it's an inside you joke. You can check you. those out on the uh, in the store. They're available now. Thank you guys so much for uh, listening to the program. Uh, thank you once again to our guest, Mark Guggenheim. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. This was fun. Um, our pleasure. It was good times. Was, yeah. As always, my name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. As always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. first.